Welcome to the St. John's Hoxton podcast. We are a local church in East London, here to be a beacon of hope for Hoxton. And our mission is to worship God, make disciples, share Jesus and transform Hoxton. I want to talk to you today about um, possibly my favourite subject in the world, wine. Uh, Jesus. (laughs) Sorry, forgive me. Uh, Many of you who know me well know that one of my chief delights in life is a glass or two of uh, good wine. For my 40th birthday, I was given a wine-tasting course uh, with the Wine Society. And um, just uh, almost two years ago, um, on our 15th wedding anniversary, just a few weeks before, I suppose, we realized the magnitude of COVID and lockdowns and things began. Um, We went away as a family for a a couple of nights to a little cottage in Suffolk. And um, and on our 15th uh, wedding anniversary, we cooked a meal. Um, The kids had their dinner. They went off and watched uh, a film. And Sarah and I sat down and we opened a bottle of wine that we had bought back from South Africa uh, with us from our honeymoon. 15 years earlier. And when we had bought this bottle of wine 15 years earlier in South Africa, it was already a, a good wine. And it was a, it was a wine that was from the, the vineyard neighboring the place where we were staying. We had been to the winery. We'd actually had a go at crushing some grapes and breaking the cap and doing all that stuff. And we had some tastings. And, and this was already a good vintage wine. In fact, when we came back from our honeymoon in South Africa, lots of the tourists um, had with them kind of carved giraffes or things like that, out of wood, as their kind of hand luggage. Sarah and I had two cases of wine as our hand luggage. These are in the days when you could just take bottles of wine on as hand luggage and put them at your feet. And now, we had, we, we, we had enjoyed most of the wine that we had brought back uh, with us from South Africa, but we had kept one bottle. And uh, the problem with keeping one bottle is you have no idea whether this, this is a wine that is maturing with age and becoming wonderful and delightful, or whether it might be responding badly to the cork and going bad. And you, there's no way of knowing until you open it. Uh, in fact, on the wine tasting course I had, the uh, sommelier there said, um, don't wait for a special occasion to open the bottle of wine that you've been saving. Make the opening of the bottle of wine the special occasion, um, which is a helpful piece of advice. But we had taken this uh, bottle of wine with us um, and brought it back from honeymoon. We had no idea whether it would, would be any good, uh, but we thought to ourselves, let's uh, open this wine and enjoy this together to celebrate our marriage. So we got the uh, corkscrew and we plunged it into the cork, turn, 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 twist, pull, and the cork split in two. And we could not get into the bottle. The wine was eluding us. It was defying us. And uh, again, those who know me well know that there is, it's very rare there's a cork that will um, defy me. Uh, and and we, so we chipped away. We had another go. Pull, another little chip of cork came off and out. And try again. Still no joy. This stubborn bit of cork. And in the end, there was nothing to do but to hack away at it with a sharp knife and break it up and push the cork down into the bottle, uh, and it was split into several pieces. So then we had another problem. This wine that we were looking forward to enjoying uh, was filled with little pieces of cork. So we found a, a, a funnel and some kitchen towel and a jug, a Pyrex jug, a measuring jug, and, uh, and we very carefully decanted the wine through the kitchen towel, through the funnel, uh, into a Pyrex jug, a sieve. It was a sieve. It was, a, it was a sieve, but we used some kitchen towel as well, I think. And, um, and, it, and it went through. Into, so we, had then, we then had a, a, a sort of a 500 mil jug 
of wine with markings and measurements to tell us the quantity. And we could have put it in the microwave if we'd wanted to, um, because of the microwave safe. And, and so we then had to get another receptacle, because this jug was only 500 mil, and it was a 750 mil bottle. Anyway, we did all of that painstakingly. And then once it was all served and all the remnant of the cork was gone, um, we wanted to enjoy it from the bottle, so we very carefully poured it back. Actually, this was a very good aeration approach, as it turns out. But uh, we, we then very carefully poured it all back into the bottle, got two wine glasses, sat down, poured a glass of wine, and took a sip, and I'll tell you how it was a little bit later. <laughs> now, um, we've heard a good deal about wine and about parties this week in the news, haven't we? So I'm feeling a little hesitant to make wine the central point of my sermon today, but it was in our Bible reading. So I think I'm justified. Hopefully it can be redeemed from amidst the controversy of this week's news stories. But if we were just to dwell for a moment on the news of the parties at 10 Downing Street, and we might reflect on why there is so much anger. And it's clear that we feel let down, as though people behaved in a way they shouldn't have done. That's how you feel. That's how I feel, right? That's how I think we all feel at the moment. What was expected from those who were serving us in the highest public offices of the land was not delivered. We were failed. And imagining how this might connect with our Bible reading today, it's almost as though uh, the master of the banquet drew from the jars expecting vintage wine of the highest quality, but all that was tasted was dirty, scummy water. This week's events are almost a reversal of the Bible passage that we heard today. We expected better, and we were given the dregs, the detritus. And yet this Bible passage in John 2 is hopeful. It's about the possibility of change, of transformation, of redemption and renewal. It's all about how God and his goodness is revealed through these things. Some of you know that the collect uh, that is set, the special prayer that is set for today is my favorite collect in the church's year. Almighty God in Christ, you make all things new. Transform the poverty of our nature by the riches of your grace. And in the renewal of our lives, make known your heavenly glory. I've memorized it because it's a prayer for every day of my life. Transform the poverty of my nature by the riches of your grace. Renew my life, reveal yourself. In other words, This prayer is an invitation for God to change us, transform us, redeem and renew us. So, not just for our sake, but so that he might be revealed in the world. And that's how the Bible passage concludes. It says that this miraculous transformation, quote, revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. In this miracle of the water turned into wine, Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. I want to share with you today, what I think God might be saying to us today about our own lives, uh, what I think he's saying to me again about my life and about his desire to transform and renew us, to reveal his glory in us. And I think God wants to not just change our lives, but also his church to be a place in which his glory is revealed. It's said that all corporate transformation begins with personal renewal. So let's start with that. What does this passage, what does this scripture have to say to us about personal renewal? 
Uh, first thing we have to do is understand the passage and the story and what's going on. Uh, so Jesus has gone to a wedding at Cana in Galilee. It's the third day. We don't quite know what that third day means. It could be the third day of the wedding. Uh, weddings went on for days. Wedding parties were expansive and inclusive. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is there. In fact, there are only two times in John's gospel that we encounter Mary. One is at this wedding with the miracle of water turned into wine where Jesus' glory is first revealed. And the other is at the foot of the cross at the end of John's gospel when the full glory of God is revealed in Jesus' sacrificial death for the world. That's interesting, isn't it? Mary, the mother of God, there on these two occasions. Uh, Jesus and his disciples have been invited, and perhaps they've come late. That's, perhaps that's why they're there on the third day, and it's, this party's been raging for three days, just like 10 Downing Street. Um, they've sent someone out with a suitcase to get some more wine. Um, uh, but anyway, is that also a clue to what's about to happen, that it was the third day? Does Jesus do extraordinary things on the third day? Maybe. Maybe John's giving us a clue. But the wine has gone, and that's a social disaster and a disgrace. It's a failure of hospitality on behalf of uh, the family of the bride and groom. It could bring social shame on them. The bride and groom themselves might see this as a, an omen of bad luck for their married life. And Mary looks to Jesus to fix the problem. And she encourages the servants to look to Jesus and to trust him as well. And Jesus instructs the servants to go and draw water from uh, the, the, the jars used for washing. When you had walked to a wedding, uh, your feet would be dirty. You might have dust and grime on you. You might have traveled a long way. And it was traditional to have uh, ceremonial washing water there so that you could wash your feet, you could wash your arms, you could freshen up, as it were, before going and sitting and enjoying the feast. The same sort of thing as on the night of the Last Supper when, in John 13, when they sat down to eat and Jesus proceeded to strip down, strip off his top, get a towel and go and wash their feet. And the water would be drawn from the jars, put into a bowl, washed, poured back into the jars. Repeat, repeat, draw, wash, pour back, repeat. And in the process, these jars contained water that was probably dusty and scummy. It was not drinking water. These were not water jars filled from a tap in your kitchen with perfectly good drinking water treated and tested. For the servants to go and draw water and to present it to the master of the banquet is perilous. But what happens when the water is presented to the master of the banquet? It has been transformed to wine and not just cheap plonk, but fine wine. So this is a story of transformation. It's a story of a change in the substance of things. But it's also about who we are, who we trust, and who God is making us to be. It's about where we are, where we're headed, and who's at the wheel. So where are you in this story at the moment? Are you the water? Does your life feel unpalatable, murky, scummy? dirty? Are you the water? Are you painfully aware of the mess and the muck in your life? Do you feel worthless and good for nothing other than the most mundane and lowly uses? Do you feel as though you might be found out that while you're inside the jar, no one can see how dirty and messed up 
the water of your life is, but as soon as somebody draws water, they'll really know. Are you the water in this story? Does life feel messed up and difficult, dirty? Do you feel as though you have to be hidden from God? Or are you the waiter? Are you the waiter? Perhaps you've been invited to trust Jesus, and you do. Perhaps you've put your faith in Jesus, and Jesus has commanded you to do something. You've said, yes, I will. But as you walk to do what Jesus has commanded you, you fear that the whole thing might be a prank, that Jeremy Beadle's about to jump out, the hidden camera will be revealed, that it's all a trick. It's some YouTube video prank that somebody has made, and you're going to be laughed at when everything goes wrong. I put my trust in Jesus, but what if it's all a disaster? What if it all goes wrong? What if everybody laughs at me? Maybe you're struggling with doubt. Maybe you want to believe Jesus, you want to trust him, but you're worried it might land you in trouble, that you might be let down, abandoned. Are you the water? Does life feel dirty, murky, unpalatable? Do you feel hidden and good for nothing? Are you the waiter trying to say yes to Jesus, trusting in him, but struggling because you feel he might just let you down? Or are you the wine? Perhaps you know that Jesus has transformed you, but you don't really know why. You're not really sure of his purpose. Perhaps you started this year full of hope because of how the Lord has been with you and because of what he has done for you, and you're ready to enrich other people's lives for the sake of God's glory. Maybe you are that fine wine. And, you've, and the year has begun and you're thinking, yes, Lord. May people, when they taste me, taste and see that the Lord is good. Are you the water? Are you the waiter? Or are you the wine? Or, or perhaps you're a combination of all three, depending on what time of day it is, depending on what time of the hour it is. To be really honest with you, I think I feel like the water right now, as though I have no special purpose, as though I'm ordinary and unremarkable, carrying the grit and the dirt of these past few difficult years. But I also feel like the waiter, trying to trust Jesus, trying to give my yes to Jesus, trying to walk where he has commanded me, but struggling as the plans that I believe he's inspired seem to come to nothing. It seems as though I'm going to be let down. You know, just one other example, the vision that we've carried for many years for the building redevelopment. It feels further away than ever. I feel defeated. It feels impossible. It feels like the whole thing's been a big joke. I have no idea how to move forwards, and all my confidence that this is part of God's plan has gone. It's like there's a hidden camera playing back the tape, and everyone's laughing at me for even trying. I feel like the waiter. And more collectively, as a church... We were gathering a flock, building a family. But just now it feels like the sheepfold is broken and the sheep are scattered. The reality is that over the past couple of years, somewhere between 50 and 100 people, adults and children, have left our church family. Some for good reasons, some for bad reasons. Many simply because they've fallen out of the habit of being together. And for those of you, you know, many people have joined the church in the last couple of years as well. Some of you have joined in the past couple of years. Some of you, some of you are grieving the loss of those people that you prayed with, worshipped with, shared coffee with, ran courses with, did activities together with. You invested your lives. You became friends. 
and now they don't return your texts or your emails, and you haven't seen them in months. And you think, oh, did what happened? Did something happen that I don't know about? I don't know. But for all of us who have felt a collective sense of responsibility for our church, that can hurt. We can feel like waiters. We were trying to trust God on this um, mission and this ministry that was set before us, but it feels like it's all gone horribly wrong. How is it going to end? I don't know. Is Jesus going to let us down? Are we going to draw from the jars, present the water, and discover that it is disgusting, that it was all a big trick? So if I'm honest with you, I, I feel like the water, and I also feel like the waiter. But then I look at you, I look at our church, I look at our family, and I know we're the wine. I know we're the fine wine of the kingdom of God. Because I see the kindness and the compassion and the generosity and the grace with which you love one another and you love this neighborhood. I've watched over the past couple of years the, the dedication, the devotion, the determination with which people have persevered as disciples of Jesus in our church family, doing extraordinary things. I've seen organizing for growth local action teams, putting on men's breakfasts, creating This Time Tomorrow videos, promoting prayer driplets, uh, creating a garden of lament for our whole neighborhood, organizing a blue Christmas service, and so much more. And all the while I see people coming and serving on the cafe team so that we can enjoy fellowship with one another. People serving as connect group leaders or joining connect groups. People serving on alpha courses because they love their neighbors and they want their families and friends to have an opportunity to know Jesus. I see people gathering here and praying for Hoxton, praying for the people who are most in need and most vulnerable. I see people giving financially with great generosity so that we can give out uh, gift cards to help people put food on their tables or to top up their energy cards so they can heat their houses. I see a community of Christians doing all that they can to make known the heavenly glory of God in this place and in this time. So yes, I see the wine. You are the wine. We are the fine wine of the kingdom. But what are you today? How are you feeling? Are you feeling water, waiter, or wine? or perhaps a bit of all three. So I told you at the start about the wine that we opened on our 15th anniversary. We went through all the rigmarole. We popped the court, cork, bashed the cork, sieved the wine, decanted back into the bottle, aerated, got a couple of glasses, poured a couple of glasses, sat down on the sofa, clinked our glasses, looked at one another deeply in the eyes, said, no, we didn't do any of that. Um, <laughs> and, and we took a glass and we brought it close. And you did that poncy thing of, had a good smell. I got a piece of white paper held up to have a little look at the color against it. It was reddish brown, amber even, amber. It had a glossy, silky sheen looked good. No trace of sediment or cork. Clear. It's, it's, it's interesting. Red wine, as it matures and becomes good, goes a sort of amber, gold color. It's amazing. We looked at it. Took a sip. It was long on the tongue, meaning that the taste lingered and developed. It was perfectly balanced. No acidic tang to stimulate saliva. We drunk it slowly, enjoying every sip. Patience tenacity and creativity had matured this wine to the point of our enjoyment. 
Perhaps that's a parable for a Christian. Keeping on going with God, patiently following, waiting, tenaciously enduring, creatively adapting to the challenges. The cork wouldn't come out of the bottle, bash it in, sieve the wine, decant it back in, figuring out a new way. All of these things had made the wine we enjoyed delightful. All of these things can make the wine that we are delightful for the world. But fundamentally, what made that wine so delightful? What made that bottle of wine probably the the best wine I've ever enjoyed? It wasn't that it was long in the mouth. It wasn't the balance. It wasn't the color. It was the company. It was who I drank it with. The bridegroom longs to share the wine with the bride. You're invited to a wedding banquet, friends. You're invited to a wedding banquet. You're invited to become the bride of Christ. Isaiah 25 says that one day the Lord will prepare on his mountain a great feast, a great banquet with rich foods and fine wines and he will invite people from all the ends of the earth to come and delight in him. And the food and the wine is good. But it's the relationship, it's the company, it's the God who welcomes us that makes it. So we're invited to a wedding banquet, we're invited to a feast, but it's not a feast just for us. It's a feast for the world. And in fact, we're on the menu. We are the wine that is to be served for a thirsty world. The Bible says that we should taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, we're on offer to the world around us to be tasted. It's our transformed, renewed lives that are on offer for the world so that God's glory might be revealed through us. Almighty God, in Christ you make all things new. Transform the poverty of our nature by the riches of your grace and the fuel of our lives. Make known your heavenly glory. I wonder whether the dirty water of our lives can be transformed by God to reveal his glory. Well, the Bible passage that we read today says, yes, Christ can make all things new. So what do we do? How do we respond? With simple, renewed trust like the waiter, yes. Offering the water, dirty as it is to Jesus, if the water of our lives feels dirty and scummy, just give it anyway, yes. But remember, the good news is that Jesus has come and met you already in the dirty water of humanity. By his incarnation, by his birth, he's adopted our human flesh. And in our baptism into Christ, We are knit together mystically into union with him and we are transformed with him to be the fine wine of the kingdom offered to a thirsty world. Would you stand and pray with me if you're able? I'm going to pray again the words of that collect in a moment and I'm going to pray them slowly and I want to personalize them. And as I pray them, I'm going to invite you to Echo in your hearts each line as a, as a petition, as a request, as an offering to God today. First of all, let's just reflect on 
where we are, who we are, how we are today. Father, whether we feel like the water, whether we feel like the waiter, whether we feel like the wine today, we come to you. Dirty and diseased and disordered as we are. With fleeting trust and hesitant confidence, we come to you. And we thank you, Father, that you have come to us in Jesus and that you have promised to transform us and to renew us, to make us wine. Almighty God, in Christ you make me new. Transform the poverty of my nature by the riches of your grace. And in the renewal of my life, our life, make known your heavenly glory. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Thanks for listening to the St. John's Hoxton podcast. New talks will be uploaded every week from all of our services. And do check out our website, stjohnshoxton.org.uk, for more information.